what I want to try to do. Not what I'm believing God for is like the next phase of that. But I just really want to encourage you to not just do it as, as, a, as a ritual and to not just do it as a as something that you're just sacrificing and or anything like that. It's it's do it with a purpose. Do it with a purpose. And uh, maybe it's just to learn to hear God more anyway. So speaking of purpose, 2017, we're going to talk about this morning. You guys are blessed. You are blessed. You are forerunners. You should give yourselves a cheer because you are here. That's right. And so you're going to get the good stuff. You're going to get how to take some steps into your future this morning. So you're created. Say with me. I'm created on purpose with a purpose. I'm not an accident. I am not unnecessary. I am created by heaven, by my father with a purpose. It's true. Jesus has plans for you. You were created with plans and purpose. And the fact that you came to Christ and you've given your heart to him, you initiate the plan of God on your life. That's the first step for every human being is to return to Jesus, to give their hearts to Jesus. That's the first step. And because you've taken that, you've now opened up a doorway of divine purpose and you've opened up a doorway and are able to go through the doorway of divine destiny. Jeremiah 29 says this, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and you will pray to me. What he says is as soon as you get your mind around the fact that I think good towards you, as soon as you get your mind and your heart around the fact that I am for you, then you're going to start calling on me. Wouldn't you understand that I want to give you something or I have a future for you or that your future only relies in me, you're going to call on me. So there's going to be a phased, a phased in process here. You understand this, you'll start calling on me. And guess what's going to happen when you call on me? I'm going to answer you. I'm going to listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. When you're fully coming at me, you will not be disappointed. Ephesians 2.10 says we are his workmanship. So we're not created for ourselves. We're not created. We are not the, the, uh, the terminating point of our lives. Our lives don't begin and end with us. Everything you are and everything you're created to be is for a purpose. The glory of God and the greater good of the world. The shalom of the world. That's the point. We are created for that. And so the key is to find out what that's all about and how, how we, we work through that. You're not an accident. The will of the Lord. If you want to know the will of the Lord, there's two things that have to happen. There has to be a willingness. You have to be willing. Today, if you are willing, today hear his voice. If you're willing, you have to want to hear his voice. A lot of Christians don't want to hear his voice because they don't like what he has to say. I love what he has to say. There's nobody's voice like Jesus, man. I want to hear him. I love to hear what he says. When he speaks, nobody's like him. They say when he speaks, when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens, man. When Jesus speaks, there's nothing like when Jesus speaks. You have to be willing to hear the Lord and you have to be wanting to hear the Lord. Are you willing to hear what he has to say? Do you desire what it is that he has to say? Or do you think you know better? You know, do you think that the councils of the world or the age knows better? Right. We have to want what he wants and then we have to be willing to give ourselves to what it is that he has. Postures. You guys ever been in school when they check your posture? You know what I'm talking about? What they want to know is anything growing crooked. What's growing crooked? We have to check our posture from time to time as Christians and see which way we're leaning. 
Which way are we leaning? Are we leaning into ourselves? Are we leaning away from the Lord? Are we leaning towards the things of God? Towards destiny? Towards purpose? We have to check our posture. Here's how this all works out. This is how the, how the plan of God comes about in our lives. Right? It comes about like this. Everybody say this with me. The path, the path. of the righteous is like the dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Elliot, would you tap the next slide? So my, my slide director has left me. My, my beautiful one. Or Noah, one of you guys. Noah, you know how to do it? Yeah, go ahead. If you can do this, you can, you can move the slides. I could do that. Or that. <laughs> the path of the righteous. In the Old Testament, a righteous person was considered to be one who followed the word of God. If you followed the word, you were considered to walk in the righteous path. If you didn't, you were considered to walk in an unrighteous path. The will of the Lord comes to us like the light of the dawn. The light of the dawn comes in a series of steps, does it not? The sun just doesn't go and appears upon the horizon like Star Wars coming out of light space, you know, hyperspace. You know, just there it is. The, 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 the sun rises. And so the plan and the purpose of God in your life comes in a graduating rising of the sun. It comes through the illumination of light in stages and in phases. It comes in steps. The plan of God in your life comes in steps. You can't take step three until you've taken step one and two. And sometimes we want to know step three, four, and five before we'll even take step one. Step one is necessary for step two to be revealed. Step two is necessary for step three to be revealed. We have to be faithful, obedient, and courageous in the small things that he has set before us. If we are not faithful with little, what? We will not be trusted with much. That applies all the way across the board. And so the, the plan of God or the will of God comes to your life in steps. It comes in visions. You may have a vision of the future. You may have a vision of something that can be, should be, or must be. You may have a vision. You should have visions, Christian. If you don't have a vision, you need to check yourself with the Holy Spirit. We are dreamers and visionaries. We are called to see dream, dream dreams and, dream, and see visions. That's something you can do while you're fasting. Lord, give me a vision. Vision of what? I don't know. Show me something. Give me a vision. You know, what's crazy about visions in the Bible is every time they asked God for a vision, he showed them something greater. Daniel was asking for a vision. The Lord said, I'll show you this vision, but I'm going to show you something far greater. You see that multiple times. Abraham's asking for a vision and God shows him a vision far greater. Far greater. So the will of God comes into our lives in steps. It comes into us in visions. You, what will happen is, is God will show you something and you'll see something or you'll sense something, whatever. And it may be, it'll be great. And then you think, well, how that going to happen? It happens through a series of steps. That's how it happens. It doesn't come overnight. Never does. Bible talks about sowing the seed, first the blade, then the, then the stalk, and then it grows into a harvest. God could have created the world in one day, couldn't he? Jesus could have created the world without time even being started. He started time before he, before he moved into creation. The evening and the morning were the first day. So he initiated time. He worked within a context of time. In order for us to understand that when God builds or creates or does anything, he works within a context of time. 
And if you study the Genesis record, everything was built upon itself. Day one, built, day two was built upon day one, day one. Day three was built upon day two and so forth. It was all built upon one another. And so God had a vision and God will show you a vision, but he will lay it out in a series of steps. Does that make sense to you? And one of the things, too, is like I'm telling you, so there's a lot of Christians who are like this. We've completely abandoned one of the fullnesses of our destiny. Visionaries and dreamers. That is the calling. That is what the Spirit of God came for. That your young men will dream dreams and your old men will see visions. It's one of the ways if you can tell if you're young or old. is Are you dreaming or are you vision? It's like, I want both. <laughs> But that's one of the callings on our life. That's the purpose of our life. And if you don't have a dream or a vision, I would take you back to Genesis. It says the earth was without form and void. Your spirit, your soul, your life, your destiny, your dreams may be without form and void. It may be formless and void. That's the word. Maybe without form and maybe void. And it says, but God's spirit was on the water. Even though there was formlessness and even though there was a void, the spirit of the Lord was on the water. Invite the Spirit of God into the areas of your life that are formless and void. Let Him hover. Let Him begin to whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. That's the idea. He hovered upon the water. The Old Testament prophets likened the hovering of the Holy Spirit like an eagle. An eagle. An eagle leads and an eagle drives forth. And an eagle brings forth. Eagles drive the young from the nest driving them from the nest. And the eagle jumps, little baby eagle jumps, and if the eagle can't fly, the mother eagle comes down, grabs it, brings it right back. So not only does the eagle lead, the eagle soar, but the eagle drives forth. Let the Holy Spirit begin to form and drive forth from your life the things that are not there. You have no excuse if your life is formless and void. There's no room for pity parties in Christianity. There is no room for woe is me, poor me, oh, I'm just so, you know, there's no room for that. Jesus has done it all, and the provision is there, and the well has been dug, and the resources are available in the Spirit. You have to confront your own, help, can we use the word, laziness, huh? You have to confront your own unwillingness and your own laziness as to why you don't press in for the things that are rightfully yours. And we think if we don't get the answer immediately, it's not God. He loves to wrestle. My son, when he's a little boy, used to love to take his shirt off and go, Daddy, let's wrestle. All the time, he wanted to wrestle. Jesus loves to wrestle, man. He wants to wrestle with you. He wants you to wrestle with him because he doesn't want to just show you some linear plan of one, two, three, four, five. He wants to grow you into understanding. He wants you to get up close and personal with him. That's what he wants. Comes in dreams, comes in must. What must happen in your life? Anybody got a must? I guarantee you, you do. What must happen? Paul says, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. He had to. Jeremiah's the same way. I got a fire locked up in my bones. Jeremiah was so mad at God. Hello. He said, I'm not serving you anymore. And he said, I'm done. Nobody likes me. They don't like me. And Jesus is like, they don't like, it's not that they don't like you, they don't like me and you're representing me. So that's the problem. They don't like you. And so Jeremiah said, I'm tired of it, man. I can't handle rejection anymore. I'm done. I'm done. And then he's like, 
but the fire of God was locked up in my bones. I couldn't contain it anymore. And he had to go back and do what he did. He had a must. Nehemiah had to build the city. It was his must. He could not stand and see the city of God in ruins anymore. He must. It must happen. What is the must of your life? What must happen? Somebody must do something about that. Well, guess what? It's probably you. <laughs> and you may not have a clue, and that's okay. But I'm telling you, there's destiny in that lane, in those lanes. Must carries the lanes of destiny. Comes in dreams, comes with a prophetic word. In the right context, people will give prophetic word over you. I see you as a dreamer. I see you as a builder. I see you as a king. I see you as a, you know, whatever the prophetic word is. Prophetic word given in the context of the New Testament. That's what we teach here. We teach the prophetic word given in the context of the New Testament. Jesus is the firstborn of the new prophet. Hebrews chapter 1. The old age of the prophets are gone. The new age of the prophets have begun. We are the forerunners of the new prophetic movement. That's what we are. And it's a prophetic word that's spoken of by, Christ, by, by uh, Corinthians tells us. Edification, building up, restoration. It's an encouraging word. It's a life-giving word. It's an identity-calling word. That's what it is. That's the prophetic movement of the New Testament, not the Old. John, was, John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament prophets. Jesus is the forerunner of the beginning, of the new. And we are not descendants of that age. We are descendants of, that, of the new one, which is in Christ. I didn't want to use the word new age, you know. So. Put that on a recording. Oh, the pastor's talking about new age in the church. So, yeah. I'll say it. We are, we, are, we are heirs of the new age of the prophetic. Yeah. How does it begin? How do we follow? How do we open up the things that God has? It begins with obedience to revealed truth. Are you being obedient to what has already been revealed to you? How can you run with a foot? How can you run with the horses if you can't keep up with the footmen? Say it all the time here. You want calculus and you don't even know remedial math. How's that going to happen? It's not going to happen. You want quantum physics and you don't even know the stages that lead up to quantum physics. You have to be obedient to revealed truth. That's why we teach Radical 5 here all the time. You hear us talk about it. We do it for a reason. Read your Bible. Pray. Commit and connect to church. Financially give and live on mission. Those are five basic elements of revealed truth. If you will not do those, you can't move on to phase two. The majority of the Christian church is stuck in phase one. Jesus can't even move us to phase two because we can't get phase one right. We can't read our Bibles consistently. We can't pray consistently or be in an atmosphere, an attitude of worship or prayer. We can't attend church or get involved in church consistently. We don't financially give consistently and we don't live on mission consistently. That's phase one. That, that's, that's, like, that's like elementary school. You know, we think we do those things and we deserve an award. Well, bless God, pastor, I gave today. That's great. High five. Good for you. You know, bless God, pastor. I did this or I did that. I read my Bible once this week. That's great. High five. Jesus wants adults. He wants us to grow. We read our word, whether we understand it or not. We practice prayer and worship, whether we understand it or not. We come and get involved in church and we participate in the things of God in church, whether we understand it or not. Better yet, whether we want to or not. Huh? 
A day in his courts is greater than a thousand. And I would, rather be in the, in, in, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the palaces of the wicked. A day in his courts is better than a thousand. You have to tell yourself that. You have to smack yourself around if you have to. High karate. Pull it together. A day in his courts is better than a thousand. And I would rather stand at the door at the house of my God than dwell in the palaces of wickedness. Is anybody with me? Come on, we've got to move. Yeah, come on. You've got to make an effort this year to move into this. It's not about perfection. It's about direction. Are you directionally feeding on the word of God? Are you directionally feeding on the prayer language and the prayer attitudes and the prayer methods of, the, of God? Are you radically committing yourself to be a part and connect to a church? Are you radically giving? Are you radically serving others and reaching out on mission? That's low level one. We, 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 we obedience to revealed truth. Discipline is the lowest and first level of, of discipleship. We celebrate discipline as if it were the goal. Discipline is not the goal. The goal is to put discipline in you so discipline now becomes your default mode. That's the goal. Jesus never meant for you to live at the level of discipline. Discipline means that you always, when you default or you have to fall back to something, you fall back to discipline. But we build from discipline. We move forward. Bible tells us in Hebrews, let us move on to maturity. Let us stop having to lay the consistent foundations of these things. That's what he tells them. God has a whole other plan. He's got other phases and other destinies to happen. And while the church may teach that, the, the people cannot live. There's, the church should be a continually progressive stages of Christians at different stages of their walk and different stages of maturity. But every single one of us need to press higher. I press higher every year. I'm pressing higher now. Every year. Why? Because I lead you. Huh? I can't lead you where I haven't been. Huh? Churches circle the wagons. We just go around the same thing over and over and over again. I had a lady tell me, she's like, after two years, I heard every church, every message this church had to say. Literally, they would repeat their same messages every two years. And I know a lot of guys that do that. I never do that. And not to say I'm better than anybody, but the reason I don't do that is because I want to grow. I want to grow. It's easy for me to go back and go, oh, I taught that last year. Let me just go through those notes and just do that again. I'm like, what are you saying now, Lord? Where can I go? Where can I grow? What levels can you push me towards? I want to grow. Train yourself to think. This is huge. So we begin to discipline ourselves to do the things, the basic things that Jesus says, whether I want to feel like it or whether circumstances allow me to or not, I'm going to do the basics. Then we train ourselves to think differently. So it's a discipline and it's a training. You have to rethink be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Present yourselves and your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Discipline yourselves. That's your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By training yourself to think differently. And then the will of God will begin to appear. We train ourselves to think differently. We see ourselves differently. We see Him differently. We don't view God in religious context. We don't view ourselves as who we were. We view ourselves as who we are. As who we are. In Christ, who we are. More than a Christian, people. You are far more than a Christian. You are a son and a daughter. That is the lifetime of experience, is to begin to train yourself to see think and know that way. When you start seeing, thinking, and knowing yourself as a son and daughter, things are going to shift. 
Bread is for the children, people. God uses people, places, and things. The favor of the Lord is with you. Did you know that? And there's nothing fair about favor. Nothing fair about favor. I have the favor of God on me. Huh? Grace is found in the eyes of the Lord. Grace is on me. All I got to do is see where my father's looking. I step into that and I have grace and empowerment upon my life and I have, I have favor. God gives nations for your ransom. See, that's not fair. Oh, wow. <laughs> people, it's for the whole world. If people want it, then come to Christ. Well, I don't want to come to Christ. Well, then you don't get the favor, then do you? It's just that simple. God wants to bless you. God wants to lead you. God wants to empower you. God wants to use you as a catalyst of transformation in your generation. It's what he wants to do. We got a partner with him. This is the point. It's always been a divine partnership. From the very beginning of creation, it has been a divine partnership. Somehow, in our Reformed theology, we've taught that it's sovereignty of God. And if God wants to do it, he's just going to do it. And all we do is step back and watch God work. That is not in your Bible. It is not. It has been a divine partnership. It requires you to participate. It's a requirement. Say, well, if God wants my neighbor saved, he's going to get him saved. No, he's not. You, why do you think he's your neighbor? Why do you think they're your neighbor? So that you can go, hey, I'm a believer in Christ, or I, you know, just, I don't know, whatever way you learn, come up with a language to talk about Jesus. It can be primitive, it can be sophisticated. You don't have to be religious, but you just gotta come up with something like that. You say, I feel embarrassed. Oh well, that's called humility. Huh? The root word of humility is humiliation, so you know. So when you feel humiliated, you're probably pretty close to humble. So you know, I feel humiliated when I got to talk to somebody about Jesus because you're being humble. You're laying your life down for them. You understand? Never easy. My neighbor's got cancer. He's got tumors all through his body. I drive by, my wife's like, every time I see him, I'm like, whack, I'm praying for you, bro. Whack, I'm praying for you, bro. I come over and just put the glory on him. He says he's, he's getting, he said he's, all of the tumors have gone except this one area. So Sherry, Sherry forgot, we forgot something, so we had to go all the way back to the house. Oh, she forgot her phone. So we forgot, which cannot happen under any circumstances. So we had to go back to the house, and there's my neighbor coming out. And I'm driving away because we got to go somewhere. And Sherry's like, no, you know, she's like, there's Terry. Kevin, go pray for Terry. I'm like, okay. Put the car in reverse. Okay, Holy Spirit. And I get out of the car and start praying for Terry. I said, how you doing? I said, man, we've been praying for you. I got, you know, and I, I put the glory on him every time I see him and just lead him in the prayers and everything. And I don't feel like it. I feel like, how's this guy going to perceive me? He lives right across the street from me. How's his wife going to perceive me? You know, I mean, are they, is this the religious nut that lives across the street? Because I'm not on every day of the year. You know what I'm saying? And neither are you. I don't, I don't bat a thousand. I'd love to, but I don't. Ah. But I lay my life down and I keep sowing it and 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 sowing it. Willing to inconvenience myself for the others, for others. And just God's just been doing all this work. But my point of that is, is it's not easy. So just because you feel weird, everybody feels weird. That's why we lay our lives down. We take up our cross and follow him. We deny ourselves. That's the whole point. Right. We think it's a poem. No, it actually has some application to it. There's actually a pain in the denial of ourselves. There's actually a humiliation in our humility. 
Come on. But there's life there. There's life there. We train ourselves to think. We worship. So we come, we become obedient to the primary things. We reset our default mode. We start thinking, God loves me. Jesus is for me. Jesus is always in a good mood. God is for me even when I'm against myself. Why do we do that? Because I'm trying to train you how to think. I'm trying to teach you little mantras, if you will, that sow into your heart, that make break down the barriers and focus you in a way of how God sees you and focus you into a way of how he, what he is actually do towards you. This is the goal. So whatever you got to do, Jesus is for me even if I'm against myself. My Heavenly Father loves me. If I seek Him, he's gonna, I'm going to find Him. If I find Him, He's going to bless me. Boom, boom, boom. Reinforce that. Jesus is always in a good mood. Whatever it is, reinforce it. Train yourself to think, I'm a son and a daughter. I'm a son before my Father. I didn't make myself a son. Jesus has appointed me my son as a son. I, I didn't make Him love me. I can't make Him unlove me. So why am, I, why am I trying so hard? Why am I striving? He loves me regardless. He's for me. Now all of a sudden we start retraining our thoughts. We start retraining the way that we think. We obey. We start retraining our thing. Now we move into worship. We move into the Spirit. And the Spirit will use obedience. And the Spirit will use the transformed mind. That's why a lot of times people get into the Spirit and they can't line up exactly with the Holy Spirit. They're hearing Him. They're feeling Him. He's guiding them in some ways. But because they're off course in, in, in consistency of obedience or they're off course in consistency of the way that they think, our disobedience and our, uh, our, the way that we think become barriers for the Holy Spirit. He runs down the river of the goodness of God. So when we understand the goodness of God, that's why the river flows through the river of the goodness of God. It's charismata. Charis is the root word of, the, of, of one of the divine words of serving love. It's where we get the word charity from, to benefit another in love. And charis is the movement of the spirit. Mata is movement. And when, so anytime the Bible uses the movement of the spirit, it uses a Greek word, charismata. And it's the movement of the spirit. The spirit moves down the river of love or the benefit of another. God loves you. And that's when the, you want the river of the spirit of God to flow? Boom. He loves you. He's going to move. Worship. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Next slide. This is worship. What does that mean? Love. Give yourself fully. The Lord your God. The Lord is Adonai. This again comes back to obedience. Give yourself fully to his lordship. Your God. It's his character and nature. Give yourself fully not just to his lordship. Give yourself fully to his character and nature. His character and nature is he's good. If you don't understand God is good, that is the drill you need to practice every day this year until you pound it in. He is good. 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 For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. That's what they sang in Chronicles. They sang that song and it says, and the glory of God came down to where the people couldn't even stand because they were what? Singing about the goodness. The Lord is good. The river of the Holy Spirit. Right down that lane, man telling you give yourself to his lordship he's lord people he is adonai we don't serve jesus we serve a king you are honored to serve a king honored honored every time i see people from my past and think people that i knew and was associated with and i see them succeed i just bless them because i've trained myself to think i have given i don't give up anything i've given up nothing i serve a king I have chosen to serve the glorious gospel. 
and it is an honor. And I don't want anything that you have. And I bless you for it. I bless you for it. You should be the same. We don't have to serve and we get to. You know, in ancient times, how many people wanted to serve their king? And the king would only allow certain people to serve him. He gives you a carte blanche to serve him. Adonai, he is Lord. Lord God, Lord provider. He's the God. He's his character, his nature. Serve him with your heart, your innermost being, your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotion. You have to set your mind on things above. You, you have to set your mind. Jesus isn't going to set your mind. You, say it with me, I must set my mind on things above. On earth as it is in heaven, we think from heaven to earth. This is, this is consistent throughout the New Testament. We think from his world to ours. We don't see ourselves. We see ourselves. God loves me. I'm going to think in terms of God's love for me. God is for me. I'm going to think in terms of God's love that he's for me. God has a purpose for me. Everything God asks me to do is not for my, not for my detriment. Everything God asks of me is for my benefit. A lot of people think that God, everything he does is, out, is for their detriment. That God's against it. Everything he asks you to do is for your benefit. It doesn't benefit him at all. He's not benefited through the things that he does. He, he, his benefit is in seeing you benefit. His glory is in seeing his children rise and come to levels of purpose and destiny. That's what he glories in. It's not a, Jesus has got all the glory he wants. And if he wants more glory, he'll, 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 he'll make it happen. There's glory everywhere. Jesus walks, the earth sings. He shows up, planets start stopping and looking at him. Wow. Huh. The waves stop. Wait a minute. Whoa. Hold on. Cool out here. There's a king on the water. He's got all the glory he needs. Snap his fingers or just call for it. Angels singing in ways and demonstrations and colors. And everything he needs, he's got it. His glory is Christ in us, the hope of glory. His glory that is revealed in us is his goodness in and through our lives. We've got to shift out of the paradigm. It's not us doing anything for the Lord. It's Jesus doing it all through us for his glory and his benefit. And he changes you and makes you good and brings goodness through your life. And he celebrates that. He celebrates the victory of his people. He doesn't celebrate something God was dealing with me on the way here. It was like cowardice. Cowardice. Do not be cowards. Do not say it. I will not. I refuse. Under every circumstance and in every situation. I give the Holy Spirit. Come on. Come on, you guys. I give the Holy Spirit permission to call me out where I am a coward. I give the Holy Spirit permission to empower me with courage to step in to the things that God has for me that I'm afraid of. That's right. The path of the righteous is like the light of the dawn. It's this word is path, path of the righteous. The word path is or, or, orca. Or in Yiddish, orca. Orca. It's a Hebrew word. It means a way as in wisdom. So the path or the way of the righteous as in wisdom. The highway, as in rapid travel. In other words, how we get there is happening the same way. The, the, the highway of the righteous is like a dawn. The childbearing, as in longing, the way that the child or the thing that is in you comes to pass is the same way. It's a progression. Traveling, as in purpose. Caravan, as in provision. The provision of the righteous is as the light of the dawn. 
This is what the Hebrew word is applied in all these same ways. Next slide. It dawns, it's revealed in glimmers and steps. It is a way. This is a big one. Jesus is calling you into a lifestyle, not so much a destination. If he can get you into the lifestyle, he will get you to the destination. The destination is not the goal. That we would be conformed into the image of Christ is the goal. He's calling us into a supernatural lifestyle. He's calling us into a kingdom lifestyle. And if he can get us to operate within the lifestyle, the destination is a, is a foregone conclusion. Think about that one. <laughs> Lord says to Abraham, get out of your father's house, out of your father's country. Go to a land that I'm going to show you. He's calling Abraham into a lifestyle, not necessarily a destination. I will make you great. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. This, this passage in, he, in Genesis chapter 12 is written in the same structure as the Psalms. It's written in a lyrical structure. In other words, the Lord is literally singing it to Abraham. Get thee out of thy father's house and into a land. He's singing Abraham a song. Calm, Abraham. I'm singing a song over you. You can also apply that if we follow Jesus, he will turn your life into a poem. And he will turn your life into a song. Follow me and I will make your life sing. That's how that's structured. It's not about perfection. He makes your life sing. I love this. He will turn your life into an anthem. Huh? You know what an anthem is? It's, an anth it's something everybody rallies around. It's a call. It's an assembly. It's a, it's a song or a, or a statement or a, or a manifesto where people got, are guided to and from. He will make your life an anthem. It's about direction, not perfection. We can say that. It's about, it's direction? about direction, <laughs> not perfection. That's right. It's about the direction of your life, not the perfection of your life. The direction. Foundation is obedience, training. The method is worship. Next slide. Obedience to revealed truth, training ourselves to think differently, creating a lifestyle of worship and walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Worship refocuses you. You're here this morning, and I guarantee you, you weren't as focused yesterday as you will be today when you leave. <laughs> Because worship and the presence of God refocuses you. It recenters you. It recalibrates you. Worship, when we worship the Lord, it trains us to hear His voice. The atmospheres of His presence. We learn the sound of His voice. We learn how He speaks. Worship brings us into encounter. Worship is designed to bring us into encounter. It's designed to bring you into encounter. Worship services, worship experiences, they're designed to get you to encounter God in a life-giving way. I think we've forgotten that one too. <laughs> Something should happen. There should be a shift in you. And if there isn't a shift in you, I'm going to make my soul wake up. Because I am not walking out of here without something. I am coming with my basket empty and I will not leave the presence of the Lord empty-handed. He will give me something. Even if He uses me, something's going to happen. Some, something, something's going to happen. I'm with the presence of the Lord. I will not leave empty-handed. He calls us into encounter. When we encounter Him, He calls us into risk. When we risk for Jesus, we build memorials. When you take a step of faith and you step out in faith, you're going to, something's going to happen and you're going to build a memorial. You're going to remember. 
Memorials are to lead you to greater faith. What God did for you, he will do it again. Understand that? The key is, is to allow the Lord to partner with him and allow him to do things in your life so that the memorial can be set down. So that upon the memorial, you can build greater and greater and greater levels of faith. That's the goal. You understand that? It's amazing. That's why we are not to just live there and we think, oh, well, God won't do it again. He never brings you. Say this with me. When Jesus brings me into a new place, he never brings me in as a visitor. He brings me in as an occupant. That's right. That's yours now. This is yours. These are the keys. I've broken you through financially, Kevin. You now have keys in your pocket to go through that door again. I can't get through the door. Kevin, I gave you keys. Go through the door. Go through the door. You have access to the Spirit and the divine power of God to go through that again. Whatever it is, He doesn't take it away. He doesn't remove it from you. What He gives, He adds no sorrow to. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He doesn't change His mind. He doesn't bring you in and go, here, that's yours, but didn't, you know, you got to leave now. It's yours. You are heirs. And He's constantly working to build into you your inheritance. Come on, this is good stuff, man. I need a CD for myself. I'm like, what? This is good. <laughs> the memorials are to lead GPS. Where are you? Here's some tips. Some tips. Give you some tips. You want some tips this year? This was a foundation, but here's some tips. Take 2017 and just look at your GPS. Where are you? God showed up in the garden, and what did he ask Adam? Where are you? What, did Jesus not know where Adam was? Of course Jesus knew where Adam was. He wanted to know, Adam, do you know where you are? Do you have any clue where you're at? Do you not only have a clue where you are, do you have a clue of how you got there? So in 2017, your goal, part of your goals, your tips, where are you? Where are you spiritually? Where are you relationally? Where are you from, from, from all of the facets of your life? Faith, friendship, finances, family, future. Those are your five the five F's. Those are the F-bombs right there. <laughs> Those are the areas. Where am I? Am I where I want to be? Am I where I am called to be? And if I am not, why am I not? I got news for you. The problem's always on our side. Well, God just must not want me to. Pfft. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. The problem's with you. You've got to learn to brutally confront the issues within your own life if you expect to move forward. You have to. Where are you? Are you where you want to be? If not, why not? Patience, perseverance, and recalculate. Some of you, you may be going in the right direction. It may be affirmed in your heart. I know I'm going in the right direction. Well, then you need patience and you need perseverance. You need to keep going. Others of you, you may say, I'm completely off the map. I'm in Oklahoma when I'm supposed to be in Kansas or wherever it is on you are in the, in your, and you need to recalculate. You guys ever remember the Garmin's? I know we have smartphones now, but the Garmin's used to go recalculating, recalculating. You need to recalculate. Next slide. So these are some tips. Look at the, here's the first one is find out where you're at. Look, find out where you're at. Secondly, unload, get rid of unnecessary weight. Are there attitudes, actions, offenses? This is a big one. Are there offenses, habits, idols? Are these things in your life? What is the load and the weight that you're carrying? Know who you are and what is the dead weight? Let us cast aside every weight that so easily besets us and let us run the race with endurance. What is an idol? Idol is a useless, foolish, controlling thing that consumes your time, energy, and focus. What is the useless, 
foolish thing in your life that is doing nothing but consuming your time, energy, and focus. What is it? Get, find a way to get rid of the dead weight. And I'm not talking about your spouses. I have to say that. <laughs> Serious. People go, I am after that word, Pastor. I decided that my wife, you know, I've had people actually said, I'm like, I'm not talking about that, man. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Hi, karate. <laughs> Unload unnecessary things. Look at yourself. If I have a bad attitude, do I need to deal with it? Do I need to, do I have actions? Do I have offenses? Offenses is a big thing. Offenses not just with you, with others. Are you, have you offended you? And not just have you offended you, but has God offended you? I guarantee you God hasn't offended you, but you may be carrying an offense towards the Lord. You need to work that out. Third one is travel well. Associate with people who are going in the right direction. Say this with me. I can't soar with the eagles. Can't soar with the eagles. If I'm running with the turkeys, <laughs> ain't going to happen. Big arrow people. People that move you in the right direction. People that impact you in a life-giving way. And are you a big arrow person? Move away from people, people or attitudes that derail you. Are there people, places, and things that keep causing you to go off the rails? Well, you know, I think Einstein said the definition of stupidity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're not going to get a different result. The, say this with me. The bridge. Oh, this is going to be good. The bridge between where I am and where I want to be is change. That's right. The bridge is called change. Patience and perseverance. These are some tips. So get your GPS. Find out the GPS. Where are you on the map? Where are you? Are you going the right way? Where are you? Unload. Get rid of some of this stuff. Deal with this junk, man. Deal with it. Travel well. Be, have patience and perseverance. Patience and perseverance simply means not quitting. You can retool a thousand times if that is the direction that you're to go in. If you are, you, it doesn't, God, Jesus doesn't have any problem with you retooling. He may say, is this what the direction? He may say, yeah. Well, what's the problem? Well, you're, 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 you're going about it the wrong way. Retool, 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 retool. It's a constant refinement process. It's okay. Just if, that, if you know you're going in the right direction, you can retool. Don't quit. As, how many times can I retool? Say it with me. As many times as, many times. as it takes. <laughs> Whatever it takes. And evaluate your experiences. And here's your last word. Experience. Come on, help me out here. Experience is not the best teacher. Just let some crickets come in the room. Sizzle. Say this with me. Evaluated experience is the best teacher. We have plenty of people that have plenty of experience doing stupid things and they keep doing them because they never evaluated the experience. Evaluated experience is the best teacher, not just experience. Can I get a witness? Yeah. All right. So we have some tips and some practical points and some challenges that God would do something great in our lives this 2017. And it would be a greater year and a better year than anything we've ever experienced. And that our lives would move on into glory and greater purposes. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for today. I thank you for these people. Thank you for their hungry hearts, Lord. I thank you for your word, which is always pure water, God. It's crystal clear. It's artesian. It is without impurities. It is just so clean. And it is so clear. 
We thank you so much for that, Lord. We thank you that you love us, that we are just not uh, abstract beings just created randomly. Thank you that we are created for you, by you, and through you, and in you we live, move, and have our being. Help us to know this more, God. Help us to understand this more. Just break off of us every lie the devil has incepted into our lives that keeps us from the things that you have for us. Every lie that says you're not good, every lie that says your way is, is, is not, is bad, or you, you're just against us in some way. We just renounce those lies this year. We renounce them in this place. Right now, Kairos, today it changes. And God, we just release your grace and your goodness and your glory into the lives of this church, its mandates, its purposes. We will fulfill them. We declare it before heaven and earth. We go forth in Jesus' name. Like a sword, we divide what is opposed. Like a spear, we march. We go forward in Jesus' name. God, just a mantle of goodness and glory. Warmth, God, into the lives of these people this year. Comfort where there needs to be comfort. Crowns of wisdom and glory and honor. Gauntlets upon the hands to do the work that is set before them. Rings upon the finger, God, to execute the authority that is given. Necessity of footwear, God, the appropriate footwear to walk to and through the things that are set before us. Protection, God, not just over our hearts, but over our inward places, of our vulnerable places. We are clothed with glory and honor this year, Lord. We go forth in your name, never to be the same. And we testify, God, and we thank you for it. Favor, favor, favor. Nothing fair about it. But we accept it, Lord. We accept it because you want to give it to us. And so I bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace in every area of your life. And may you forever live in his favor. In Jesus' name. God loves you. We love you. Happy New Year.
While everybody sings their happy Christmas songs tonight